Hey guys, just a quick note before the podcast. If you guys are interested in branding, marketing, or sales, I have a free masterclass on our website, www.codesa.io slash training, or you can just go to the website and click get the free masterclass. It's a great six days email series. It's all about branding, marketing, and tactics to grow your sales. Also, we have a new podcast series, CMO and Joe. We're interviewing the best and top and brightest CMOs, chief marketing officers and marketers of lucrative companies. It's a great listen if you'd like to listen. And yeah, just let me know what you guys think. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you guys. Have a great day. Hey, what's up, podcast family? This week I talked to Bill McKenzie. He was the former CEO at Wild Rose Brewery. He led the brewery through the 2013 expansion and rebranding initiative. The company grew to deliver record profits while receiving national recognition for an extraordinary culture. The brewery was later sold to Sleeman Breweries in June 2019, marking the first time a small brewery has ever been acquired by an international brand. On the podcast, we talk about how to build your killer team, how to find a mentor that adds value, the common myths about the adult beverage industry, and much, much more. Remember to rate and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. You get awesome local leader and entrepreneur stories each week, jam-packed with unique insights. Leave me feedback at joe.codessa.io on some of the questions or stories you want to hear. I read them all, not to the podcast. Hope you guys enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Bill. Thanks for having me, Joe. How are you? Not bad, not bad. So yeah, tell us a little bit about kind of who you are, your origin story. Yeah, sure. Thanks. Uh, originally, I'm, uh, I'm from Northern Ontario. I grew up in North Bay, considered Sudbury, Ontario, which is about an hour and a half of North Bay as, as, as my home, home base still. Uh, went to university uh, in Sudbury at Laurentian University. I studied economics there. That was back in, I guess, mid-80s. Uh, late 80s probably, uh, yeah, 87, 88. And uh, shortly after uh, moving to uh, to university and getting my life there, I joined the beer industry. So I was quite young. I was 19 when I started and I uh, worked with most breweries as a campus and, and summer rep during my undergrad. And then uh, after studying and graduating from my economics degree, I, I moved on. I went did my I went did my MBA basically right away, Joe. And the main reason for that was that was back uh, 1990. Things weren't really going well for the economy. None of my classmates, nor myself, were really getting any uh, job offers at the time. So I stayed in school and went did my MBA in Michigan and uh, kept in touch with Molson's. Molson's had just finished a merger at the time, more of an acquisition with Carling. So the beer business was uh, in Canada was quite small. Uh, so who knew? at the time, what, what the future was going to be for me coming from a student rep, campus rep to, to a full-time job. So I went on, did my MBA, and, and that was great. Um, after my MBA, I was able to get a job right away in the pharmaceutical industry, and that was a pretty cool job. Uh, moved to Toronto, spent some time there, but I was just never really, never really too engaged. I always wanted to get back into beer, and I knew that once the dust settled from the Molson Carling merger, that opportunities would likely, well, I hoped anyways, I didn't know, but uh, end up that opportunity started coming up after 
that acquisition came um, came to a uh, an end, and, and they started moving forward with with hiring. So I was able to get uh, get back on with Molson's and been in the beer business ever since. So it's um, it's been quite the ride. I I uh, was able to get back at Molson's as a sales rep in my hometown in Sudbury. Um, from there, that uh, led me to some marketing roles in Toronto, which I thought were quite cool at the time. I worked on that Molson Canadian campaign, the I Am Canadian. I'm sure if you remember it, but basically the rant. And it was, it was a really good and, and I thought one of the better beer campaigns um, of the time. And that led me to uh, to working on another brand, which was Molson Export. And we had a, and that was more of a sports brand, more of a kind of a more of a fun brand, I thought anyway. So I really enjoyed working on that. And that was my time in marketing. And then uh, they closed down an area in Northern Ontario, the Thunder Bay office got closed down. So I was asked to come up to, to Sudbury and, and work those two markets. They, uh, so basically all of Northern Ontario was my, uh, my region. And the cool thing for me was all the guys that I used to work for as a campus rep or summer rep and then with as a sales rep were now on my team and I got to go up there as the manager. So I, I really, it was a no brainer for me. I couldn't fail because these guys wouldn't let me fail. I had such a good group around me that I was, uh, I was quite lucky. So uh, that was my time at Molson's uh, in 2003, right after my youngest was born, like a month after I got asked to, uh, to move out West here and I moved to Edmonton. I worked out of the plant at the, uh, uh, the Molson plant up in Edmonton, and uh, and my role there was I was um, director of on-premise sales for Alberta. So all the bar business, the club business, the restaurant business uh, was under my uh, was under my umbrella. So it was it was a pretty cool job. I certainly enjoyed the West, and and have never moved back. And uh, kept going there. Then I I got recruited. It was interesting. I out of the blue I got recruited by Diageo, and I'm not sure if you aware who they are. Diageo's it's a company of brands. They've got like Guinness and Smirnoff and Captain Morgan and they're the biggest dev elk in the world. And so they offered me a pretty cool job uh, as director of sales. So I went, uh, had to move to Winnipeg for that. And that went really well. I really enjoyed it. I think I'd like to say Wild Rose is the best company I ever worked for, but uh, Diageo would be a very close uh, second, but a company of that scale, uh, they really developed their people well and treated everybody well, myself included. So I really enjoyed that. And that's to me when, when I had to come to Crossroads, I got offered an opportunity to go down to the States to work with them. Or at the same time, I got offered a job to come to Calgary and work for Ed McNally, who I consider the godfather of craft beer in Canada. Um, and beers, even though Diageo had beer brands, it was a beverage alcohol company. I like beer the most. And uh, uh, so I came back to Calgary and I worked with Ed and became president of Big Rock up until 2012 and then i invested in uh, wild rose as they were expanding to open up a second brewery and they came in and i was running that company as the president ceo and and one of the partners i guess for uh eight years until uh a couple companies came knocking and sleeman being uh being the one that eventually uh acquired us and uh they they bought us in june of 2019 and uh you know we had some waiting periods for, for you know for some of the the paperwork and all that but that all uh closed off um and uh and i handed the keys over right before covid so i'm, I'm kind of just been sitting at home enjoying the family and happy to be getting outside and seeing things open up a bit more now that's a tremendous journey <laughs> it's been um, fine it was long-winded but it's uh, it's been a long career i've enjoyed it 
Yeah, for sure. Um, growing up, did you envision, um, I mean, beer is such a fun industry. I even read uh, something online of you saying the beer industry is kind of like a reverse mullet. It's uh, hard <laughs> to put a business in the back. But uh, growing up, did you envision even working in the beer industry? You know, no, I, I, this is what I wanted to do. This is what I've always wanted to do. There was um, a guy in my hometown when we were growing up, and he was kind of like the best athlete in town. And I knew him. He was about four or five years older than me, and I knew him a bit. But I would ask him just about the beer industry all the time. He was with Molson. He was a summer rep. Very similar to what I, was, I ended up doing uh, my first jobs. And, uh, you know, he was great. He, he gave me a lot of time. Uh, so when I went away to university, um, I still wasn't of age 19 in Ontario. So I actually applied to be in the beer industry before I was even old enough to drink it. Um, and then shortly after I turned 19, they called me in and, uh, and they offered me a job and, you know, there's a bit of back and forth with, uh, with changes like this industry always has, but I end up as the campus rep at my university, best job ever, uh, that, uh, continued on in the summer as a summer rep. And, um, I don't know, I've always wanted to do it. I just love the beer industry. It's, it's like no other. Yeah, absolutely. So my question next would be, you mentioned that Gleeman and you handed the keys over recently. Uh, so what's next for you? <laughs> well, um, good question. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to stay in the industry. Uh, we've decided, my wife and I have had a lot of chats over at the family. The kids are getting a bit older now. They're both getting ready for university. Uh, we're not at, at a retirement age yet. I'm, I'm 51. I, Got a lot, of, a lot of fuel left in the tank, I think. So we're uh, right now in talks with uh, um, a brewery to uh, to purchase their assets and and set up shop here uh, here in Calgary. But uh, until it's done, it's not um, certainly not in a rush for it. There's a lot of questions looming over our industry right now. But um, if uh, if something pops up and it's the right deal for both sides, then then I look forward to getting something up and running. And the goal there is prior to the end of the year to uh, to get another brewery uh, up and running. So I look forward to that. I just love this industry too much. And it'd be nice to have you know something a lot smaller um, and just grow it from the ground up and just be uh, be a part of that. I look forward to it. That's really cool. I'll uh, definitely watch out for that. That's I'll let problem. you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's one thing uh, you wish you would have known when you first began your career? Geez, a ton. Uh, there's so many things that you just kind of shake your head, go, why didn't we see that coming? And and I think the fact that I grew up on the bigger, with the bigger companies, with Molson's and then with, with Diageo, two massive companies, we certainly didn't, didn't foresee the small brewers growing into the, the segment of the industry that it is now. And, you know, it, you almost look back at it, it's foolish to not think uh, that the small craft breweries, you know, had a, had a big runway ahead for growth. Um, we certainly didn't pay a lot of attention to it. So I certainly wasn't, uh, uh, wasn't expecting that. And I think if I did, I probably would have opened up a craft brewery a lot longer, uh, a lot, a lot earlier, sorry. Um, but it's just something that we didn't, uh, uh, didn't really understand. Like the small guys, they taught us, you know, I think it's, Take a look at what the small brewers have done in Canada and North America and the world over the last bunch of years. They've introduced new categories of beer. And, you know, back then we were just a lager and ale category and, uh, and really listening to the consumers and, and, and that things that I think the bigger breweries picked up on a bit, a bit too late, but, you know, they're certainly participating in that space more so now. 
Was there a big challenge or I don't like to use the word failure too much, but was there a big challenge during your career and what did you learn from that? Well, just a ton. And I, you know, we've, we made a lot of mistakes, but I can certainly say we've learned from them. Um, not a lot of recurring mistakes, uh, which, which I'm proud of a ton of mistakes, but we just didn't make them over and over again. Um, but as far as looking at, at, what I've experienced over the last 30 years and, and kind of just sitting here like, like all of us for the last three months with a lot of time to think on our hands. Uh, I, I do regret Joe that I didn't get certified as a brewer. I, I wish I, I spent more time with the brewers and, and I know enough about it, but, but I'm not a brewer. And, and I think from a leadership perspective, if you're able to do every job, you know, in the shop, you're just that much stronger of a leader and yet you, you understand more of it. Um, I've certainly been around some great brewers that have taught me a ton of, of their side of the business, but uh, you would just think in 30 years, I would have went up, would have become a brewmaster um, over those years. But uh, I look back at it now, just a bit disappointed that I never did. That's okay. I'm still young. Yeah. Still lots of time. Just the tank's yep. still full. So. <laughs> <laughs> What advice would you give 18-year-old Bill or even somebody wanting to pursue a career in the beer industry? Ah, oh, geez. I don't know. I, I think the one thing that uh, – and, and I'm lucky over the years we've hired a lot of young people coming up as, as either young sales reps or campus reps. And that. So I've seen a lot, of, um, a lot of guys going through the evolution of their careers like I have and, and some are continue to just to do great, uh, really good things. Uh, understanding the business side of it. And I think people get, maybe get a bit misinformed that it's, it's, it's anti, like the small, the craft side is anti-business. It's certainly not. And uh, to understand really what, what fuels the company, what allows you to be creative, what allows you to be innovative, the business side of it, the guys that can marry the business acumen to the brewing and the branding and the quality control are the ones that are successful. I've certainly met with a lot of breweries, even over the last couple of months, that uh, that got themselves in trouble, but they certainly won a lot of awards and they make good beer, but they, I don't know, maybe they couldn't count or something. They couldn't, they couldn't run their business properly. And, and, and therefore, you know, they made some critical mistakes that, that might have, uh, you know, really hurt their chances or eliminate the chances of, of long-term success. So I think guys shy away from understanding that um, it's a, it's a fun business and, and that could, that can maybe dominate your daily activities is, is the sales call and the brewing and the innovation and the marketing, but you really need to understand the impact of decisions that you make and uh, make sure that you're making them so that your company can survive and that your employees have security and your customers have trust uh, that you're going to be there for them long-term. And, and, and that all comes from understanding your business. So just out of curiosity, how's the beer industry changed from when you first started to where you are today and going forward? Yeah, well, remember back then, there was only really three dominant breweries in, in Canada, Molson's, Labatt's, and Carling. Um, I think it was 1990 that Molson acquired Carling, and then there's just been a ton of acquisitions since with Molson's being a part of the Molson Coors family and Labatt's being part of the Anheuser-Busch family. Um, so it wasn't what's well, no longer and you know, for quite some time it's not a duopoly. Um, you know, back about thirty some years ago, breweries like Big Rock and uh, Alley Cat here and then Wild Rose started off uh, opening up and, and, and changing the industry. And then in the last five or six years, the industry's exploded uh, with that many more competitors. 
and and I say competitors for lack of a better term, but a whole bunch of participants, you know, in the industry. And I think what that's resulted in is from a consumer perspective, look how many more different types of beers there are. And I remember as a kid stealing beer out of my dad's fridge, there was like Molson Export or Labatt Blue type of thing. And that's all that was there. Uh, now there's, you know, hundreds of brands. If you go to a liquor store, it's quite intimidating. Actually, there's so many different type of, and not just type of brands, but types of beer. And, um, and, and I think the beer drinker is that much more knowledgeable and that much more engaged in what the t- what they're choosing now because there's just so many so many choices out there and not to uh not to put you on the spot bill but uh, i'm curious what's your favorite adult beverage in the summertime <laughs> <laughs> uh well in, yeah, it's funny you ask that because you said summertime um mine and, and i think many people's choices change you know seasonally and uh you know in the summer wild roses pond rose and ghost i just think is is a great beer it's it's a lower alcohol beer, so it's not as heavy, and, and it's great if you're out on the golf course or on the boat or something like that. So Ponderosa Gosa for sure in the summer. And then, uh, and I've always said this, my favorite non-wild rose beer uh, has always been Guinness. I just, uh, I think it's a great beer. And if I'm at a pub, I love having a, a pint of Guinness. I, I just, uh, I think they do, a, I think it's just a fantastic here i love it <laughs> but um but but both of our beers i i could have chosen wine i could have chosen spirits and all these coolers and everything that's up now but i'm uh i enjoy beer yeah beer through and through <laughs> yeah. first choice <laughs> okay so stepping back into uh kind of your career path uh what do you think is kind of like a unique skill that's helped you become uh, successful um i don't know if it's a skill or maybe a practice uh, who knows? Uh, but putting teams together is definitely something that that I'm most proud of. Looking back at it, uh, and I learned real early in, in my career that you can't be successful on your own, and you have to surround yourself by you know the best of what you know the best of the best. And and and, and if you can't hire the best, then you can help develop the best. And when I say help, it's that it takes teams to develop. And 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 I've had some good success over the years putting teams that complement each other together putting teams together with individuals that aren't individuals that are that I shouldn't say that they're not they're team people that have good individual ideas but are able to uh to, to communicate that and, and work with other others collaborate amongst the departments that's to me why we've been successful um it's just having you know a group effort not really one person owning the win or owning the loss but but putting that together and, and I think that all starts from hiring I think we said no over the years to some really good candidates just because they might not have been a cultural fit or, you know, maybe they were hoping for a trajectory in their career that, that probably wasn't attainable uh, as we maintain a good you know team approach to it. So I, I believe putting those teams together, it's not like managing people, as you know, Joe, it can be difficult. Um, I've never felt it as a burden. I felt it as an opportunity to uh, to work with different people. Uh, people from all different backgrounds that have different views on what the beer business or what their career should be and, and gel and seeing it gel together and, you know, nothing, you know, I'm not more, nothing to be more proud of than you know, what happened at Wild Rose of putting that team together and, you know, kind of rebuilding it in a lot of ways over the last seven or eight years. And, and, and whether that's the tap room business, you know, there's different hiring requirements when you're hiring at a restaurant, than you are at brewing and you're at sales and you're at delivery. Um, 
but geez, it was just like one team. And, and my wife and I always joke at Christmas party because normally Christmas party, you'd have assigned seats and stuff like that. At Wowzers, we did, but nobody would ever request who you sit with because it was just such a good group. No matter where you sat, there was going to be somebody interesting to uh, to chat with over dinner. So I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. And, and that's what I hope to continue on. So what, was the, what were the best resources that's helped you helped you along the way? Sure. Were, and I hope they still are. Um, just mentors. I'm going back to people here. And I think the reason why I put so much value on team building and, 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 and working together is that I've been very fortunate to have great guys like that around me all these years. Um, whether it be the sales guy, I'm not talking senior executives exclusively. Um, you know, there are some senior guys that have been great to me, but uh, my circle of influence guys that, that, that have helped me out range from, Guys that were sales guys, sales reps with me 30 years ago to people that I, I worked with when I went to marketing, to even in pharmaceuticals, I had some great people and some really good leaders around me there. And then, you know, most recently at, at the Wild Rosebury, we had a lot of people, um, you know, with all different types of jobs, whether you're the guys in logistics or the brewers or the tap room that uh, were never afraid to speak their mind and, and, and offer up their, you know, their opinion without judgment. And, uh, and that's gone on for me for over 30 years. So, you know, you kind of, and like I mentioned, I referred to earlier, when you're sitting home, like we are all, all are, you have chances to reflect. And I certainly had a lot of good mentors around me. And, you know, some of those guys are getting a bit older right now that, uh, they were at the end of their career 30 years ago and, uh, and, and that, but geez, we still keep in touch and, um, and it's been, it's been fun. I've been very, uh, very lucky to have that group of mentors around me. Absolutely. For our listeners, though, would you? Is there any advice you'd give them in terms of maybe finding a mentor, or what would be the best, I guess, strategies or even tactics to finding a good mentor? Uh, oh, okay. Um, don't be afraid to to listen to new ideas, and you know, be prepared to ask way more questions than you, than you answer. I know it's a bit of a cliche, but if you go in there thinking you don't need any help, then you're not going to last in any industry. But you know, there's a lot of people out there to help. Um, Sometimes you just, you know, I, I, I witnessed when I went from sales into marketing, I didn't understand what the marketing guys were talking about all the time. So I had to ask with clarity, well, what are you trying to achieve? And really, what are you saying? And, and so you got to learn a bit more instead of just kind of brushing it off or being afraid to ask. I, I think that's important. Um, and just really park your ego and, and, and don't think that you're the only one that cares or you're the only one that works hard or the only one that knows something. Uh, you know, be willing to listen and, uh, mentors come in all different shapes and sizes. They don't have to have fancy business cards to add a lot of input to your career. And I can certainly attest to that. There's some uh, some really good people that uh, that I'm, I hope I'm always going to be able to count on. Has there been anything that you've read or listened to recently that's uh, really inspired you? Yeah, you'd think I'd have a whole bunch of fresh books. I do. I'm, I'm looking at them. I haven't opened a lot of them up. I, I, I've gone down, Joe, the path of watching news way too much over the last, uh, you know, two or two or three months. And I don't, certainly that's not healthy, but uh, it's not all bad either. And, and and I think as you've seen what's going on, you know, as, as recent as what's going on in the U.S. right now, there's a lot of good people out there. And so whether it's social media or news, reading or listening, you know, I, I, I'm I, yeah, I'm definitely inspired by by so many people trying to do do well, whether it's through their business or their communities. And and I and I don't know if I can remember the guy's name. It's a real estate guy in Ohio. Uh, did some investing during COVID and made a bundle. I think he made like close to like one and a half or two million dollars. 
and he divided all of it up amongst his team and not his high, high earners. He had like an investment firm. Um, and I read about it. Um, uh, geez, what's his Connors was his name. And, uh, and he invested, uh, invested and in, in, made some money, but instead of using that cash to do whatever he wants, you buy a new boat or whatever, he distributed amongst all of his employees. And, and these are people that really needed the money, whether it be for daycare or, you know, just, they weren't making any money because they're in real estate. Uh, wouldn't that be nice to be in a position to be able to do that for for people you care about? Absolutely. Quite inspiring. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You mentioned a little bit about COVID and kind of obviously what's happening in, recently in the news. How, I mean, I guess you're not technically in running a brewery right now, but how would you foresee COVID uh, affecting maybe other breweries or the beer industry in, in general? Well, yeah, you know, I think first of all, how does it affect your customers? Because if you don't have customers, you don't have a business. And uh, with the craft side of the business, so much of it is on-premise, so much of it is keg sales, uh, that you have a lot of your partners out there that uh, that would sell the majority of your volume that uh, that are just, just opening up now and opening up at a much smaller scale. So, I, you know, I believe it, it has an impact on that. I. I do though, especially here in Calgary, I saw some some of the smaller brewers and, and, and some of the guys that have been around a while just really stand up and do a great job of finding ways to diversify, finding ways to get beer to their customers, finding ways to help out and keep their guys employed. Those are the guys that I think are, are gonna survive and, and, and do well and I think probably come out ahead. But uh, like I said, who knows what the industry is gonna look like a year from now. Uh, there's just so much uncertainty, isn't there? Absolutely. We're all trying to see what the quote-unquote new normal is going to look like. Yeah, who knows? Um, kind of sticking with the industry, what's one common myth about uh, the beer industry or even your profession that you want to uh, debunk? Well, I think there's not. there used to be a lot more myths about it, um, but now with the abundance of, of participants in our industry, there, there's just so much information being sent out there. And beer tends to be a bit of a transparent category. I think people are so passionate about what they drink not only what's in the bottle or the can or the glass but you know what's the story with the brewery and and who are they supporting more so now than than ever before so i I think it yeah i i think there's less myths than than there used to be but we're also living in a social media world where there's a lot of people out there with opinions um some you know possibly as a you know maybe blogging or whatever and, and and formulating an opinion trying to influence others um, majority, you know, not, not everything's authentic, um, majority are, but, uh, but I, I do think that there's some, you know, some myths just on, uh, on, on, on the quality and, and, and stuff like that. Some of the, um, information that's being communicated out there. Um, also, I think there's a bit of a myth around big beer and, uh, and, and what they're doing. Like, a lot of the big breweries, they're great. They're, they've done a good job and guys got to realize that if it wasn't for big beer, there wouldn't be small beer. And, and I look back at, at the way, you know, when I started in, in the bigger section, it's very similar to, to how the small guys are doing. So I think there's, you know, a big beer versus small beer debate is a bit of a myth. Everybody that I've seen gets along and, 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 and I think the big companies appreciate now more so than ever the smaller companies and, and, uh, and vice versa. You don't have to be, you don't have to, it has to be one or the other. You be a beer drinker, be in the category. And, and consumers are going to support both. Is there anything that you're 
curious about right now, Bill? Well, like we just mentioned, very curious to see what the new normal, if there is such a thing, is going to look like. Um, got a lot of people I care about that own restaurants out there that you know I'm anxious to see how they do. And you know, we, we've been keeping in touch through Zoom or phone calls and all that throughout this. But I certainly uh, I worry a bit about that and curious to see uh, how they end up doing. And, and I'm confident that a good chunk of them are smart enough to manipulate or not manipulate, but to navigate through this and, uh, and, and find a way to, to survive first of all, and then, you know, worry about growing later, but survive first. Um, so I'm curious about that, how it bounces back. I'm also curious about the ongoing impact of cannabis, you know, on the beverage alcohol, on the beer industry. I think we all got worried when, when legalization happened and what kind of impact is that going to be? There's probably not enough data out there to really formulate an informed decision on it. Um, once edibles hit the market, maybe in a bit more supply of that, who knows how that's going to affect the guy running a bar, the guy running a, a retail store, the general consumer of where they're going to. So I, I think having you know such a a big consumer product, consumer category being legal uh, coming in, you know, it's going to affect everybody's pocketbook a bit, and and where you know do they. Do they find a uh, room in their portfolio for beer or do they just simply move over? You, you did mention um, the recent uh, legalization, uh, but how else has Calgary changed from your perspective from when you first started here to, to now? Definitely the number of breweries. Um, even going back to 2012, when we made the decision, when we made the decision to open up a second Wild Rose Brewery, um, the way the industry was set up is that you have to be able to do a minimum of 5,000 hectoliters of beer to, to open up a brewery. So, you know, that was significant, one, one and a half million dollars minimum to get in. So the risk of new competitors coming in uh, was, was quite low. And so there was a lot of certainty on the landscape of the environment, of the, of the, of the beer environment. Um, and then, and I'm glad they did, but the PC government prior to leaving changed it. So you go, went down to a, to really no minimums to open up. So that really opened up the industry for, uh, you know, a lot of guys that were passionate about beer uh, to open up their own business and uh, and turn a hobby into a business. And, and that's been great for it. But just the number out there, I think there was 12 when we opened up the second Wild Rose Brewery and there's like 110 now. So there's definitely, you know, for sure, there's more people asking, uh, you know, for the business and, and, and marketing and, and creating some beers, but there's also way more awareness than ever been about the, the craft beer industry and about the beer industry in general. And, um, and I think that's, that's good for the industry. I think it's great for, uh, for craft beer and, and, and just local companies having a good fighting opportunity to, to, to do well. What's one question that you never get asked that you wish uh, you would be asked? I don't know. I, I, I wish people would would ask more just a bit about the industry uh, and the similarities in the industry over the last 30 years. Everybody always likes to talk about change and ask about how things are different and and are, are things better than that before. Things are very similar. Like the beer industry is, is has been consistent in a lot of ways. And, and when I started off in the bigger companies, it was all about community. It was all about, you know, from, from the non-brewing side, it was all about community. It was all about um, you know, getting involved, all the customer service, um, you know, being around, being visible, engaging consumers. Uh, if you look at that compared to, 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 
compared to today and, and there's just way more people doing it but the way the craft industry seems to operate today is very similar to when i started in the bigger companies years ago the main difference obviously is that the innovation just wasn't there 30 years ago that it was you know it was, it was if you look at it now it's quite a boring portfolio that we all had to sell 30 years ago compared to what's available now but uh but certainly there was a lot of more similarities and uh i think people should should realize that like, it's kind of a throwback industry where the nice guy could still finish first <laughs> yeah speaking of nice guys finishing first what's one thing that maybe you could share about your accomplishments at wild rose that you could share with the listeners well, I just think surviving uh, was, you know, I think it's you know, basically a time where Calgary was not in the best financial or economic position uh, with uh, a ton of new breweries coming up and continuing to grow uh, is an accomplishment from the business side. Um, for me, not really having any regrettable turnover or very minimal regrettable turnover is a huge accomplishment. I think we were a great place to work. I, I think people that... That, that joined, enjoyed themselves, and felt themselves valued and, and stayed on. Um, I never really had anybody uh, get up and just say, I'm out of here because I hate the place. Um, you know, basically, we, we, we had really good engagement on our, our, our employee group. So that's something I'm really proud of. We actually won a bunch of awards for being a good place to work, but there's a lot of awards out there, as you know. Um, but to me, it was just having you know, that consistency there. Um, you know, and this is where it gets challenging is as a, as a CEO of the company, you're tasked to do what's right for everybody, um, your customers, your employees, your shareholders, uh, the offer, we were never for sale. We never talked about selling, uh, at any of my, my partner board meetings. We never, you know, never talked about it until people started coming and knocking and we had a few people knocking on the door. And then when the same as guys came by, you know, my job is I have to bring that forward. Right. So I have to, I have to entertain any type of interest and I have to do what's best for everybody. And so, uh, so we went ahead and, and the process took about a year to get done. Uh, and, and we went ahead and did it. And, uh, and that was the first Calgary or first, actually first Alberta brewery, uh, and the first local brewery in a long or sorry, small brewery in a very long period of time to get acquired by a global company. So I guess that's an accomplishment. Um, you know, it obviously, to me, it was recognition that we were running our company properly, that our brand was healthy, that our people were sought after, and uh, and to go from there. Kudos to you and uh, the rest of the Wild Rose team. That's uh, awesome, guys. Um, where can our listeners uh, connect with you online? You know, I, I was thinking about that when you when you sent over, you know, what we're going to talk about and what, what's my contact. And I looked on my Twitter account, it still says at Wild Rose Bill on it. So I haven't changed that yet. Um, but that's my Twitter handle is that. And then my email is William McKenzie um, at Shaw.ca. Like once we get going on the new company, we'll get, uh, we'll make a splash out there from a contact and media side of it to, to get uh, the new information out. But I'm just, like I said earlier, I'm just not quite there yet. Well, Thanks for your time, Bill. I usually like to end the uh, podcast with maybe a question or a quote or a story to the audience. Oh, okay. Um, I guess it would be more of a question. And you hear about all the, the companies and everything opening up. And, and as I mentioned, I'm currently in the process of either purchasing or building a brewery. I'm curious to understand you know, what your listeners are, are feeling about the beer industry in Alberta. There's a lot uh, of opinions around the number of breweries out there. Uh, some people ask if it's saturated. I don't believe it is. 
but I, I'd love to understand if uh, there's an appetite just for more choice out there in Calgary. If if the uh, the beer consumers are uh, willing to engage and adopt a, another local favorite.